This is the Equip Podcast hosted at Rocky Creek in Greenville, South Carolina. This weekly course seeks to equip our church for the work of ministry. Hope it will help you as well. So tonight, as we talk about how to handle your anger, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4 in a little bit. I got the verses there uh, for you, uh, or typed out in this outline. We're going to look at a few different verses as well. Uh, but it talks about the living in this world guarantees that anger will be a common emotion. God's word provides helpful wisdom regarding how to handle our anger. Now, I know everybody in this room, you have different levels or different way we express anger, right? Some of us are short-fused people, right? Something real quick can just sort of pop us off. Some of us are long-fused people. Some people, we express our frustration. Some of us internalize our frustration. Uh, I can think about that um, years ago when I was in college, uh, Michael Jordan was doing his return uh, to the NBA. He came back on the Washington Wizards, and he played in, uh, I think it was a preseason game. They actually played it, I call it the Bilo Center, whatever it's called now. But they played it there, and I can remember he came out and played, and so uh, I'd never been to an NBA game. And so after that, I haven't been to it anymore. But I was like, I'm going to go see Michael Jordan play in person. I've, I've got to do this. So, you know, he came out of retirement, was playing for the Wizards and whatnot, and I can remember we, it was just so incredible to watch even in there just to see him uh, play and just a spectacle, right? Well, that night we got back in uh, the car uh, with a group of guys from my dorm, uh, and, and then there was one guy that's kind of like, you know, you got people that are just jovial and loud and obnoxious, and you got the quiet guys, whatever. Well, the guy driving us, we were going back to Tigerville, started like taking these turns really quick, like not slowing down, kind of you know, just going through traffic really quick and just going way beyond speed. And I, and I don't know about you, but when you're in the car with someone who you feel like is not driving safely, it can kind of put you on edge. It's When you're controlling it, it's one thing, right? But if you're out of control and you don't know, well, something happened that the quiet guy in the back said, hey, Robert, I wish you'd slow down. And Robert just starts laughing, and he starts speeding up a little bit, okay? And he starts getting more reckless, and he's like, I really think you need to slow down. And Robert just thinks it's even more funny, so he starts getting a little bit more swervy and a little bit more just like, oh, what's going to happen? And I'm trying to tell him to calm. Well, something happens, and y'all may know this. You always have to be careful for the quiet guy. You know what I'm talking about? The one that never seems to get angry, and then all of a sudden, something happened in that car that I will never forget when this guy got so mad that, like, it was shocking to everybody. Not that someone was mad, but that the quiet guy was, right? That all of a sudden, he just came unglued, and it got everybody's attention because you're not typically used to that. The, the reason why I bring that up is that Everybody handles anger in a different way, but we all do give it out in some way. So as Jesus talks in the Sermon on the Mount and talks about how we need to uh, turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, pray for those who persecute us. So obviously he's saying this is how you're going to respond when you want to retaliate. This is what you need to do with your anger. In Ephesians chapter 4, uh, Paul says something that can be somewhat shocking for us out of Scripture. He says, be angry and do not sin. Now, I could just stop there, right? Just look at the, fir the first two words, be angry. And you go, is that in the scripture? <laughs> like you go, is the Bible just tell us to be angry? Um, actually, God is saying to be angry. Now, let me just ask you a question here. What do you think that God is okay with us being angry about? Okay, what'd you say? Righteous anger, right? A lot of times we talk about having a righteous anger. So God, if he has a righteous anger, and do we ever see God as angry in the Bible? Yes, absolutely, right? Turning over tables. Like, I always love you look at the Old Testament, and people say, well, I like the New Testament God, but not the Old Testament one. You know, the Old Testament was mean, and the New Testament was easy. And I'll always say, well, the Old Testament God actually told a prophet to go marry, you know, buy back his prostitute of a wife. That seems pretty nice. 
And the really nice New Testament, God flipped over tables in worship one day and got a whip after everybody. So obviously, anger is not a bad thing if God has it. But like you said, there's a righteous anger. And righteous anger is typically against unrighteousness. So there are things that make God angry, and it's okay for us to be angry about those things. Um, Typically, if we think about what actually makes us angry, sometimes it is of God, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just this person's getting on my nerves, right? But he's saying in the scripture, hey, it's okay to be angry. And that helps me out in every relationship of my life. It's okay for me to say, that's wrong, and that made me angry there. But the next phrase is so incredibly important. He says, be angry and do not what? Don't sin. So in some of your translations might even say it this way, don't sin in your anger. So it's, so anger in of itself is not sin. Let me say that again. Anger in of itself is not sin. So when I see someone do something unrighteous, something wrong, when I see injustice take place, it makes me angry. Okay. Uh, I was reading, uh, I finished up the reading through the book of Judges this week, and um, there are some things in that book that makes you go, I can't believe this even happened. There's some despicable, horrible things. Uh, there's a phrase that I was reading the other night that I just thought, I, I can't believe that this, this even happened, that some people who should have known better did this, and, and I, I, it blew me away so bad that I remember, like, I just got angry. Like, I just thought, how in the world could anybody do this to a woman and so wrong and so messed up? And I got angry, and I don't think that anger was sin. I think that was righteous in that moment. Like, this is injustice. There are things I'll hear sometimes, and there's anger in it. But what Scripture is saying, it's okay to be angry, but you just can't sin in that anger. So that means that there is a righteous way to handle your anger, and there's an unrighteous way to handle your anger. And, and part of it, he says, one of the ways that you um, can avoid sin when you're angry is that next phrase. It says, do not let the what go down? Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Okay? So he's saying, deal with today's issues today. Don't let them bleed over into tomorrow. So I say, okay, so something made me angry today. Deal with it today. Um, when we were uh, first married, I would always laugh with um, Amanda, and, and we were getting just, just to know what married life was like. And so she was an elementary school teacher when we got married. Uh, she taught music from kindergarten through fifth grade. And one of the things is, is about, uh, you know, if you've ever taught school, something happens around, I call Saturday afternoon, where they go, oh no, <laughs> the week's about to start again. It's not been long enough. Like, I need more time to, to refresh. I need more time to get some of my own list done. And so, like, I would always say to her, like, that there was this, you know, almost level of where she would, I could tell that, like, she was going, oh no, here comes another week, and I need to have all this stuff going on. And, uh, and a lot of times, she would feel almost as if, like, you know what, I've missed the opportunity of this day to do what I need to do. And it's like, oh, so, so now I, Saturday's kind of wasted and, you know, and now we've got Sunday. And you almost feel, I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but you almost feel discouraged about the next day because of today's stuff, right? It's been unaddressed. And so sometimes if you've ever been angry with someone, you kind of feel like I'd use this word with her that she would say, oh, the day is ruined. And I'd be like, oh, I hate the word ruined because it sounds like it can't be repaired, right? But she would say, if Saturday is ruined because something went wrong, God is saying, okay, if it's been ruined, don't let it ruin Sunday as well. Just deal with it. Get it out in the open. Work it out. Don't let the sun go down. Deal with today's issues today. Don't let them bleed over in tomorrow. So one of the ways that we don't sin in our anger is we don't let the sun go down when we're angry. We say, okay. So that means sometimes you, you make that phone call or you turn the lights back on and say, we're going to hash this out. <laughs> 
One of our rules in our house is like, don't let the sun go down your anger. Don't go to bed angry. Work it out. So it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be angry in a marriage and parenting and uh, dealing with the church and dealing with the world. Sometimes it's okay to be angry. Just don't sin in the anger. And you would do it by addressing that anger within the day. In verse 27, he says, and give no opportunity to the what? The devil. So when we let the sun go down on our anger, that means it's creating bitterness in us and growing frustration and hostility. And now we're thinking about what we need to do to get this person back or repay this person over here. And what takes place is that eventually we are giving opportunity to the devil to come in and allow to sow seeds of bitterness that stay with us. And now the issues that happen on Saturday linger into Sunday and linger into the following week and the next month and years and years and years of anger going unchecked. And so he's saying, it's okay for you to be angry, but you better handle your anger in a right way. And to do that is you deal with today's issues today so that you don't give the devil more opportunity. Because here's what I know, right? Unchecked anger never just, even, even if like time may separate you or you might calm down, right? Some of us, if you get angry, you got to go on a walk and you might feel a little bit better. But if the issue goes unaddressed, guess what? Just the simple moment of it can bring it all back, rearing back again, right? It can happen so very quickly that if we're not careful, that like it, it can come back. And so it's got to be addressed. So for us, we have to think this way. Anger is not evil, but certain expressions are, Okay. Anger is not evil in of itself, but certain expressions are. So if, if being angry is not a sin, but certain expressions of anger could be sinful, right? So let's go, what are easy way for us to think through? What are certain expressions of anger that could be sinful? Somebody? Yep, so they hold it over, they keep it going, and they just sort of bottle it up, and all of a sudden they let it you have it, right? That's great, great. What's another unhealthy expression of anger? Violence, yep. Just shouting, good old yelling, right? Intimidation, uh, all different types of ways that we can do it. So, but he's saying, when you see something wrong, even if, okay, if someone says something rude to you, it's okay that that makes you angry. That doesn't mean you're a sinful person. How you respond, though, that does possibly turn where it gets sinful, right? So anger provides an indication that something is not the way it should be. Anger is kind of like the check engine light in your life, right? Something's off, and I need to figure out what is it that's going on. Um, I, I really, I would think with all the, the advances that we've made, I would think, can't you give me a little bit more information card than check engine light? Like, tell me exactly what's going on, right? But they're saying, something's off here. So when, when I, I realize that something makes me angry, I have to realize, like, why is that? And sometimes I have to identify what it is. What is it that's causing me to do this? Um, there are certain things that I just don't have patience for. And I go, why is that? And I got to kind of get under the hood. I got to see, what is it that makes me that way? And so if anger, once again, not being sin, but it could be expressions of sin, if handled correctly, anger can be a tool to address serious injustices. If handled correctly, anger can be a tool to address serious injustices. Um, I, I have always, uh, Amanda, <laughs> she knows what, if I was not a pastor, what my job would be in life. 
I have always dreamed about going to work for what's called the International Justice Mission. And the International Justice Mission is a Christian organization that goes, and they're a compassion relief ministry, but what they do is they go find places in the world where people are being mistreated, exploited, oppressed, enslaved, and they bust them out. And I don't know why, but I've always thought, I would do that. <laughs> I, would, I would go in, they're busting up where, where trafficking's taking place, whenever they get leads, they do all this kind of stuff, and they rescue people from those conditions. And I've always thought, if I had something else, like I, because it, when I hear of injustice like that, of what's done to women or what's done to children or whatnot, like it, it does something to me. Like internally, like I'm angry. And I think, rightfully so, that that anger should compel me to do something about it, right? The anger, I guess, anger and justice and righteousness is what caused them to even start IJM and to go, let's do something about that issue. And so for me, if handled correctly, anger can actually be a tool, it can be a catalyst to fix something. That's right, right? Someone's, uh, I, I think about um, uh, when uh, Gideon tore down the altars. You know, in the time of judges, he's just angry. And he's like, you know what? These things got to go. They're, they're stealing people away from God. Well, that anger was a good thing that took place. Uh, but if handled incorrectly, anger can create more evil than what caused it in the first place. So something that is wrong, if handled incorrectly, actually what takes place is we put more evil on top of the evil that's already taken place. So something that's evil being done, it's kind of like what Jesus said. Okay. So someone hits your eye, you're just going to take their eye out? Someone slaps you, you're going to slap them back? Where is this going to end? Somehow, anger can create more evil than what caused it in the first place. Uh, criticism can lead to a worse criticism. A injury can lead to a worse injury. Payback leads to a worse payback, and it can handle or create even more uh, evil than what caused it in the first place. Now, if we look at the presence of anger, this is a good kind of thing for us to, to think through. The anger will always lead to some type of expression, right? We should just have this kind of moment like we could, I, I thought about having like a diagnostic tool for you to go, okay, now what, how, how do I express anger, right? But I think you'll probably be able to figure out which one you are more like, okay? The first area is internalization. Repressing anger just intensifies it until an explosive later date, okay? There are people who internalize all of their anger and they do what I like to call as stuffing it. They don't say anything what makes them angry. They, don't, they have learned that when I open my mouth, it just causes more issues, so I'm just going to be quiet. Something's been done wrong to me. Not gonna, I'm not going to cause back. I'm not going to tell anybody this hurts. I'm not going to tell anybody I'm frustrated. I'm just going to internalize it. I'm going to bottle it up. And what happens eventually to someone who continues to internalize anger? One day it explodes, right? It's kind of like, um, you know, when... We were younger, we'd, if somebody were to go and like buy Dr. Pepper for lunch and they walked away, we'd just shake it up, 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 and they sit down and guess what happens? They open that up, they lost some of that Dr. Pepper, right? That pressure on the inside just completely explodes. There's, there's nothing they can do. And, and that's what happens a lot of times with anger. When we don't express it in healthy ways, some people who are stuffers, it internalizes, and, and all of a sudden one day they go, that's it. It's my friend in the back seat of the car. I can't handle it anymore. The quiet guy's got to watch out for it. Um, there are certain times in marriage counseling where someone will say, I was devastated because my spouse told me one day, I can't stand when you do this. And the spouse said, I do that all the time. And the spouse goes, I know. <laughs> and all of a sudden he goes, hey, if you could have just told me along the way, I may have been able to fix this. 
But instead of just internalizing it, it got to this bottled up place where someone just explodes one day because it wasn't dealt with. The pressure is too much, and they just bottle it up, bottle it up, bottle up, and then one day it absolutely explodes. Second possible way that people deal with anger or express it is ventilation, right? Where unhealthy outlets of anger can come in the form of verbal, physical, or emotional intimidation. So sometimes instead of internalizing it, we vent it out. We let someone else have it. And these are unhealthy ways that we do it. And they can come in the form of verbal, physical, or emotional intimidation. Here's what I know. Some of you would rather have somebody, uh, us, you know, Jesus talks to someone, slaps you on the right cheek, turn to the left. Some of you would have rather had someone slap you on the right cheek than some people do some of the stuff they said to you growing up. Those words hurt probably just one slap to the cheek would have done, right? I, I'd rather not have any of them, but, but ventilation, we, we vent on people. There's all different types of ways we can intimidate folks. Um, there are people that I would say have been abused physically because of someone intimidating through their size and, and taking advantage of someone in a bully type of way, whether it's in a family, a home, other situation that that actual physical intimidation can take place, but there's also verbal and emotional intimidation that can take place. Verbal, just always using our mouths to d- demean someone, to criticize them, to bring them down, and eventually something happens is you start believing that. You've heard it so much, and it can... And so someone just using their anger just to call out. And then sometimes there's just emotional manipulation. Just mess with somebody's mind. Then after a while, you start going, I don't even know if I believe what I believe anymore. And so when someone is angry and they just let everybody have it. I mean, just everybody have it. Um, I realized years ago that there was someone, um, when, when I was serving at, at Northside, um, there was a guy that just seemed very angry towards pastors. Like, all the pastors in our church, he hadn't even been there long, and he just would, like, pop off and say something rude. I'm like, who is this guy? But then you notice him around other people, and he always seemed really, really nice. I'm sitting there going, like, what have we done? Like, he didn't even know us that well. So I had to go out of my way to try to be kind. He was critical towards the pastors in the church. He was rude. Sometimes he'd smart off. Sometimes, you know, he'd just find a ways to critique, whether it's in person or in public gatherings. And I thought, what's going on? Guess what I found out one day when I was asking? I just approached him. What's the deal? Um... Okay, so you're, tell me about your family. Well, you know, I'm such and such, blah, blah, blah. This is my second wife. I was like, okay, well, you know, I didn't know that she was your second wife. What, what, you know, and he's like, well, you know, my first wife, we, we ended in divorce. And I said, well, I'm sorry to hear that. He goes, yeah, she ran off with our former pastor. Oh, <laughs> got it. <laughs> Makes perfect sense now. He's not around. You just go take it out on us, okay? Like, it was the embodiment of, I got to vent what I'm doing. And so I'm going to use my words. I'm going to use emotion. I mean, I'm going to use everything I can because I'm angry and I can't address the anger. So who is it? You. I'm going to take it out on you. And that happened in, in that situation. But I think also many of us know it could just be all, all different types of ways that people can use their anger towards us in unhealthy ways. Uh, third one, devastation. Anger can lead to destructive habits that serve as unhelpful coping mechanisms. So sometimes anger leads us to do things to involve ourselves in coping mechanisms that we feel like are going to help us get out of a situation, but they're really not helping. They're just masking it, right? Um, the easy, the easier answer here is obviously any type of alcoholism, addiction to drugs, and different things like this are obviously an easy out. There's other ways to do this, 
But a lot of times it can lead to destructive habits that some people are so angry they don't know what to do, so they just want to get numb, right? They want to numb themselves to it. And the easiest path is it to is this, and I don't think about it, I don't have to worry about it as much, whatever it can be. And so you use these unhelpful coping mechanisms that take place into the situation uh, because they don't know how to deal with their anger. And then the fourth one is confrontation. To address a problem constructively, use gentle yet clear confrontational efforts. So obviously if we're going to have one, we've got to have one that's healthy, right? This is the healthy one. If, if there is a healthy way to express your anger, to deal with your anger, it is what I would say is biblical confrontation. And it's not fun, it's not enjoyable, but it sure is a lot more healthy than the other three. The other three are internalize it, vent it on everybody else, devastate your own life by coping mechanisms, or you can say, I'm going to confront it. So I want to use gentle yet clear confrontational efforts. When I say use confrontational efforts, gentle and confrontational don't seem like they're alike, right? These are different. I've always thought of confrontational, those per that person who likes to walk into a room and tell everybody while they're you know, not together. But I believe that you could actually be gentle in your confrontation. I don't know if you've ever had a person like this in your life, but they say something to you and they said it so kindly and then you think, I think you just rebuked me. <laughs> I think you just basically told me I messed up and you were so kind in it and it, it wins someone. It opens us up to, to listen to it. But yet, you have to be gentle but clear. You have to be clear because if you're confronting something to say, you're hurting me when you do this, you can't be vague, okay? you got to be clear. When you do this, it's making me feel this way. It's hurting my feelings. It's got to be addressed. And you can't be abstract. You have to be clear. When you say this, it causes that. When you do this thing, it makes me feel this way. When you bring up that stuff, it causes me to not trust you. you got to be clear. You have to be clear. And you confront that in a way to do it. Now, the principles of anger, here's some other passages of Scripture that can help us with this. Think through it. Hebrews 12.15 says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. So think about that. A root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. So a root is going to lead to what? Stem, limbs, and fruit, right? That's what it was going to do. And so if you don't deal with your anger, what happens is, is that a root of bitterness springs up and it causes trouble and many become defiled because of it, because you're not dealing with that anger. So if you got anger that's deep down inside of you, it's unaddressed, it causes bitterness to rise up. And what happens is, is not only do you distance yourself from the person who's kind of uh, been the catalyst for that anger, but it causes you to almost take it out on everybody. Um, if you've ever worked in public education, if you've ever worked with kids, if you find a kid that is a ruthless bully, someone has bullied them. So they, they've been hurt so bad, they're going to take it out on somebody else. There's this root of bitterness, and now it's growing up, and they're destructive in it, and it springs up, and it causes trouble, which we, we see in so many different lives. It really does cause trouble, and many people become defiled by it because we're not addressing our anger in a right way. Proverbs 16.32 says it this way, Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. I love that verse. So if you're slow to anger, if you can be calm, it's better than the mighty. Now also, you know this, there's a, a, a phrase that's used in the Old Testament about God. Uh, it's, first time it's used is in Exodus chapter 34, verses 
6 and 7, it says, The Lord, the Lord God Almighty, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness. Slow to anger and abundant and abundant in loving kindness. That God is slow to anger. Praise God, right? Now, will he get angry? Yes, he will. But he's slow to it. He's not short-fused. He's a long-fused God. And so, with this, he's saying, okay, so if God is slow to anger, then therefore his children should be slow to anger as well. And it should be, and to do that is better than the mighty. Typically, people who are mighty can feel like they can express their anger in any kind of way and, not get away, and they can get away with it, right? If you've ever had someone who is parent, spouse, boss, leader, somebody who's mighty, and they can just take out their anger on anybody they want to, and they go, what are you going to do about it? We've all lived with or had to deal with someone like that. Whoever's slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. So, I love it. You can either rule yourself or rule a city, okay? And to rule a city means you're taking over, you're taking advantage, and you're taking it by force. Same, but someone who's even more powerful than that is someone who can rule his spirit. Galatians 5 would tell us that the fruit of the spirit is that type of self-control, kindness, gentleness, right? Love, peace, joy, those types of things to rule his spirit, which means this. I think God is saying that through the power of the Spirit in your life, you never will become so angry that you are unable to control what you do with it. Now, there were some times, probably all of us, you felt out of control, okay? I'm so angry, I just, oh, I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing, I didn't know what I was saying. God's Word is saying, no, 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 you can rule your spirit. Your spirit can't get away with something, you can't blame it, say, well, I just had a bad day, right? No, 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 you have to rule your spirit. Proverbs 29, 11 goes forth and it says this, a fool gives full vent to his spirit. I love that. Hey, fool, someone just says, all right, whatever I'm feeling, I'm just going to let them have it, right? I'm, I just, I'm going to let them have it. I was having a bad day, a full vent to my spirit. How many times have I heard people justify a bad decision and say, I was just having a bad day, wasn't feeling good, had a headache, so-and-so was rude to me. Oh, so you got a free pass. Is that right? <laughs> do whatever you want to do. Um, fool gives full vent to his spirit, does whatever he wants to do. But a wise man, a wise man quietly holds it what? Holds it back. A wise man quietly holds it back. He's not giving full vent to his anger. Someone who's wise is going, I'm not going to be irrational. I'm not going to be crazy upset. I am going to hold it back. Now, that does not mean this wise person is not angry. This doesn't mean this wise person is not going to do something with the anger, but he's not giving full vent to it where it's irrational, uncontrollable, just absolutely wide open, unchecked, and unchallenged. And I think that is such a deep need for all of us to think through. James 1.19 says it this way, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Most of our uh, realizations, if we think about people in our society, we would like to reverse those, right? Let every person be slow to hear, <laughs> quick to speak, quick to anger, right? Short fuse, right right in the midst. And James says, no, 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 you've got to be quick to listen to other people. What, where are they coming from? Why, 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 is this, why is this person so angry at pastors? Why is it? And then you hear it and you go, oh, now I still am not enjoying when he's rude to me, but at least I understand it. And I'm brokenhearted for him a little bit. Okay? You're hurt because of this. Uh, I get it. Slow to speak. So when you're quick to hear, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to always interject. I'm not going to talk over. I'm not going to interrupt. No, no, no. I'm going to be slow to speak because I want to I hear what you're having to say here. 
And sometimes if you've ever been in a confrontation with somebody and they're saying something, you go, I need to interrupt because they're wrong. Just hold on. Just listen. Listen. Because then you can be slow to anger. Don't allow your anger to take control. Romans chapter 12, verse 19 says it this way. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Now, that verse is kind of tricky because God's not saying that people are going to get away with their stuff, right? He's saying, folks, everything will be made right in the end. So either you can handle it or you can let God handle it. Those are your options, right? Well, I go, well, he's taking too long, so I'll take matters into my own hands. Okay, uh, and to take matters into your own hands, you're thinking that you have a better understanding of what that person deserves and when they deserve it versus, hey, I'm going to step back and let God do what God does. I'm not going to avenge myself. You know why? I'm going to leave it to the wrath of God. If God thinks they need to have something coming to them, that's on him, not me. Not my responsibility. I, I, I'm not big enough to handle that opportunity, that, that job right there. Not a chance. I'm not going to avenge myself. If someone hurts me, I'm not going to get them back. I'm going to leave it to God's wrath, God's understanding, God's wisdom, God's discernment. You do it. It is written. Vengeance is mine, God says. I will repay. I will make everything right. And so for me, that means, okay, God, so if that person is truly wrong and they really deserve your justice, your administering of that justice will be far more severe than whatever I can do. Okay? What am I going to do? Say something mean? <laughs> there you go. Okay? That's all I can do, right? I can be ugly. I can hit somebody. I can do this. God's saying, I'm going to deal with them at the soul level. And God can do what he needs to do to get their attention. Ephesians chapter 4, right after he talks about us being slow to anger, he says it this way in verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Oh, along with all malice. <laughs> Put it away. So don't let bitterness come in because when you become bitter and you're just anger's unchecked, unchallenged, and you're just festering on it, right? It's just getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And then what does it lead to? Wrath. You want someone to get what they deserve. And anger and clamor, slander, what you're saying, put away from you all malice. That you're, you're wanting evil to come to this person. Take that away from you. And what's there? Verse 32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Here's the way to deal with your anger. So to be kind to one another. Yeah, but God, they weren't kind to me. Be kind to one another. Why? Because Christ forgave you for your unkindness, so therefore you can forgive because of their unkindness. Tender-hearted. This is, even that phrase... For all the guys in the room, it doesn't sound like something most men are supposed to do, right? Okay, tender-hearted. I am realizing for this guy who's being mean to me, he's got hurt in his life. Why wouldn't he be rude to pastors? I don't like it, but I get it. Um, why is this person feeling so rude that they've got to prove their point? Oh, you go deep down and you realize their parents never affirmed them. They never said you're doing a good job, and so therefore they've got to push their agenda all the time and Oh, this person is being really rude because they're having so much marriage issues at home. This person has severe anxiety, and that's why it comes out and all these kind of things. And you, when you can stop for a second, you can become tender-hearted, And it doesn't take away what they're doing, but it does allow you to walk a mile in their shoes a little bit. And be a little bit more tender-hearted and going, you know what? 
I wish they wouldn't say this. I wish they wouldn't do this. But at least I understand why. And um, one time when I was in um, college, there was a uh, two guys that I did ministry with were um, upset with one another, and one was wanting to do this and going to force the other one to do this, and all this kind of big deal. And um, and so I had to kind of be the negotiator, the mediator of sorts. And I remember I'm sitting down, and you know my one friend is saying, you know. Blah, 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 you know he's always doing this kind of stuff. He's blah, 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 and just he's wrong, such and such. And I said, I, I know what you're saying. I understand your feelings. And I said, now let me let me let me start talking to you. And he goes, he says, no, no, I don't want to hear the Travis Agnew. Let me see their side of the story. Their side of the story is wrong. Okay, I don't want to hear it. And I said, stop for a second. I want you to listen where they're coming from. And I stopped. I started trying to unveil kind of what their ideas were, what their intentions were, what their thoughts were, and I could see that he's going, "Yeah, but still, it's wrong." I, go, I get that. I get what they did was wrong, but at least understand where they're coming from. They're not being vindictive here. They're just seeing it differently. And when we can start doing that, it allows us to be tender-hearted and to understand. Whenever you deal with anyone in the human race, you have to understand this person is a sinner and this person has been sinned against. Every single one of us. So it allows me to be at least a little bit more tender-hearted and to go, all right? So when I see someone who's struggling with some type of addiction, and I go, why can't they just get their act together? Or I could say, I wonder what's broken in their life that led them that way. When I see someone who's always angry, always contentious, always quarrelsome, I could go, what's wrong with them? Or I could say, what, what's broken inside them that made them this way? And it allows me to at least understand. I've got a different set of lenses. And it leads me to do what the next part of the passage says, forgiving one another. Why? Just as God in Christ forgave you. And so when I think about how much I've been forgiven of by him, I think it's easy for us to forgive others. When I forgave somebody in my life, they said, hey, you forgave me of this, and I did this to you. You know what happened? I can never forget. He looked at me and he said, this grace thing is contagious. And I said, say that again. He goes, grace is contagious. When you showed it to me, I started looking at all the other people that I was upset with. And I'm going, they didn't do nearly half as much as what I did to you. And so if you forgave me of that, I can forgive this person. That's what happens. God's forgiven me of so much. And therefore, I can forgive others as well. So, so this is some questions that you think through just as we end the progress of anger. And this is kind of stuff, if, if we were all to say, um, what do we do with our anger? Obviously, Scripture has given us some guidance to do that. But this is kind of diagnostic. This is a check engine light. Let's get under the hood and see this. And this is the first question. Number one, what makes you angry? Right? What is it that makes you angry? Accusations. <laughs> Accusations, right? Okay. Accusations can make you angry because you feel defensive. You feel like you've got to prove yourself and go, why is this person talking about me? Accusations can make you angry. And so deep down, that's revealing something, right? You're saying, hey, I... <laughs> I just want to be justified. I want people to know that's wrong, right? And we, we want to prove ourselves right. It's a normal human emotion to have. And so we identify what makes me angry. Some people get angry when they feel like they are being neglected. Some people get angry when they feel like they're being ignored or belittled. Um, I'll say this. I think all of us probably have what I call a trigger word or two in our life. Somebody called you something... Or used a phrase in your life, and if someone says it, it just comes all over you. And you go, what's the big deal? I just used a word. Because that word was used negatively in your life, and it triggers you. Something happens, and, just, and all of a sudden, zero to 60 <laughs> in no time, right? 
And so it, it helps us identify what makes me angry when I start really dialing back what is it that's causing that. Number two, here's the diagnostic question. How do you most often express your anger, right? How do you most often express your anger? And you go, well, um, if you ask the sheetrock in my home, it would be punching through the walls, right? Okay. Uh, if you would ask uh, this, it's, it's, I'm trying to cope by, by drinking alcohol. Um, if you ask, it, it's bullying other people. It's being critical of other people. It's justifying certain sinful habits. What, how do you most often express your anger? If you need help, just ask the people closest to you. They'll tell you, okay? They know how you often express your anger. Uh, three, a good question to ask. Does anger ever affect your health? Has it ever gotten so bad that you go like, I feel it physically down. I, whether it's a heart or, or stress or the tension in my shoulders and my neck, I just, oh, I, I feel it. It's coming all over me. And you start saying, okay, this is maybe more serious than I even thought it was originally. Number four, what type of ways have you seen anger expressed dangerously? And dangerously is kind of a um, subjective word to use there. Um, Obviously, fights can be a way, but sometimes just the way that we speak to one another, right? And so this is what I will say. This is a good question to do, is when you say, what types of ways have you seen anger expressed dangerously? It's going to help you figure out why that affects me so much. So if someone says, I grew up in a house where everyone just started yelling at each other, and then you go, oh, so that's why I don't want to get into an argument. It's just not worth it. I'm just going to be passive. Keep my mouth closed. Avoid conflict at all costs, right? So sometimes when we see anger expressed in a dangerous way, it causes us, if people watch ventilation happen all their life, guess what they do? Internalization. It's not worth it. I don't want conflict, so let me just keep it to myself. That's unhealthy too. Um, five, how do you successfully calm your anger? What does it take? You go to another room, walking off, going and do something else, right? Uh, pacing, breathing techniques. Uh, whatever it is, visualizing puppy dogs on clouds passing by. I don't know what it is, but you have to say, what is it that allows me to calm my anger more than anything? Yes, sir. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That's right. I, I agree. Social media has given quiet people a megaphone just to express their anger. And right now in the midst of politics, it's just an un- unbelievable way that we kind of criticize and go after people. I totally agree that, that you sometimes see that happen. And once again, you rarely see something that someone says critiquing another side or another viewpoint. Someone goes, oh, I totally see your point now. You may, let me change the way I do it. It just causes more and more anger, right? And it can be in these very dangerous, unhealthy ways. It's one of those things, you know, you, you just have, you know, you, I, I guess I've been lucky enough and blessed enough to stay away from it. But once you, once you put it on the keyboard and you send it out, you can't. That's right. Back. For sure. Yep. And so sometimes even that successfully calming your anger could be in like, all right, let me think before I post. Let me think before I, you know, comment. Let me, I don't have to always do it. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's going, I have to say this, 
If I'm unwilling to say this to someone's face, I probably don't need to post it. <laughs> probably don't need to criticize it, right? I don't need to post it, right? Here, here's, here's question number six. This will be helpful. How do you involve God in your fight against anger? Okay? How do you involve God in your fight against anger? And so what I mean by this is when we're angry, a lot of times we go, oh, I'm embarrassed to bring it before him, or you're so enraged you don't think about it. But just to say this, I think God is really honored by this. It's going to sound very simplistic. But when you're angry as fire, to say to God, God, I'm angry as fire right now, and I don't want to be, and I'm asking you to calm me down. You know what I think God's going, thank you. <laughs> Versus like, no, I'm going to handle this on my own. No, just say, God, that really made me upset, and I'm really thinking about doing some crazy stuff right now. Like, I'm really frustrated right now. And what you're doing in that moment, you're inviting God to the fight. God, I need help, and I'm trying not to be this way. And uh, I, I don't feel like turning the other cheek. I feel like going and uh, retaliating. He just You involve God. Ask God for help. God, I'm struggling. I'm angry. I want to get back. Involve Him. That's the biggest step you can ever do when you get angry. And then seven is, what unresolved anger of yours needs to be dealt with first? Is there something that's a seed of bitterness that you've got to really work on to make sure? For us, if we're going to be people who uh, love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us, we've got to deal with sometimes when anger bubbles up. What do we do with it? and to see things Christ's way. And so, Jesus, we do ask tonight that as we uh, think through how we apply these truths, Lord, just as you said in the Sermon on the Mount, to, um, to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, to allow these areas in our life that we need to work on, God, let us work through it to deal with our anger and to point people to truth. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.